Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with artists and creators from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul through Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. And if you've got something going on around the Twin Cities you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. Mouthing Off is sponsored by Minnesota Playlist, the digital destination for live performing arts. Producers can find talent to work with. Directors can cast productions with audition ads. Teachers can find students with a classified. And audiences can find the perfect show to attend on the state's largest calendar of theater and dance shows. Find out more at minnesotaplaylist.com. We hope you enjoy the show. We're back in another episode of Melting Off, a theater arts and culture podcast for the Twin Cities and beyond. And today we're going way into the beyond, all the way across the pond to Old Blighty, the United Kingdom, London, gay old London. And one of my very favorite people is on the pod today to talk about a project we've been working on. Abby Lucas. Abby, how are you? I am good, thank you. How are you? Never better. It's my birthday. It's also a very special birthday, birthday episode Kevin. of Mouthing Off. <laughs> a very merry birthday to me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, me. Um, and we also have, of course, the usual suspects are here. Mari Sittner. Mari, how are you? Doing pretty good. It's a beautiful day. Birds are chirping, you know. Mm-hmm. A, a rare daytime recording. Yeah. Yeah, recording. Well, we're accommodating um, Abby, of course, because she lives in the future. And... <laughs> Uh, Amanda is here as well. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Abby's going to tell us about our future selves and everything that we got <laughs> going on, everything she's got going on. And um, yeah, I'm excited to hear what's next and specifically about Edge of Liberty. Yes, we are going to talk about the reading of The Edge of Liberty at Waldman Brewery. Free reading, Abby and I. It's an Abby Lucas, Kevin Couchman joint we wrote it together. Uh, Amanda and Mari are going to be in this reading. It is, it is free. Go to badmouthtc.com. You can't miss it. RSVP there. Waldman Brewery. It's going to be a great time. It's a Monday night, 7 o'clock. You're not going to find a better, more interesting, weirder <laughs> uh, thing to do on a Monday night in the Twin Cities. And of course, and of course, Abby is on Greenwich Greenwich Mean Time. But when when Abby's here, I like to say it's Greenwich Nice Time. Oh, Abby, why don't you? Nice. <laughs> why don't you? Why don't you tell? Why don't you tell people about yourself for the podcast, and and then we'll get into the Edge of Liberty, which is going to be at Waldman September eighteenth. Come on down, Abby. You're a filmmaker. That's your I, I am a filmmaker. I, as, a, as a disclaimer, I, I would like to say that I'm from even further in the future. I am originally from Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I've been living in London for the last 17 years now. So, yeah, a long time. Uh, I'm a filmmaker. I used to also do a lot of theatre um, when I was at high school. Uh, it, I'm not going to date myself, but it was a time where we didn't have media departments. And I'd always wanted to be a film director, but there wasn't really the, out, the outlet for exploring that other than directing the theater, which my very 
uh, pushy but wonderful uh, theater teacher, drama teacher, English teacher, Mrs. Wedden. She was like, well, you want to be a director? You direct everything now, the youth theater, the Shakespeare festivals, all of this sort of thing. So um, yeah, I started out in the theater, went to film school in New Zealand, uh, moved over to the UK and um, had got back into doing theater again, a lot of short plays, um, a couple of like uh, new writing plays. And that's actually how I met Kevin was in the theater in um, in London. We were doing a short play festival called Obama America, which was short plays about Obama's America. And I wasn't directing Kevin's play. I was directing a play by another Kevin because uh, <laughs> all the playwrights in New York at the time were called Kevin. And um, and then we kept in touch and have written a bunch of projects together. But uh, aside from that, I, I'm a director of, of film. I've made a bunch of short films. One of them, um, the most recent one is called Voices. And uh, we're very pleased with how that one's doing at the moment. It's gone to about 30 festivals worldwide and um, is getting a lot of attention. So, yeah. And can people go and, and watch that online? I'm, I'm pretty sure they can. Um, Voices you can't watch online yet because they uh, the the films get embargoed until they finish their festival run. But mm. um, uh, I'm at Abby Lucas on Instagram. If you want to send me a DM and you want to see a copy of it, I'm happy to send out links to people. Just as long as you don't post it on the YouTube's or whatever. Um, right. Uh, but I have a, a bunch of other things um, on my website that I've directed in the past. Yeah, and that's Abby I E Lucas. Yes. <laughs> like it sounds you can't you can't miss her abbylucas.com awesome yeah and and abby and i have written you know principally for the screen is mm -hmm. what we've worked on and we have a we have a script that's you know done done little tiny things out there that's sort of half set or like largely set in the twin cities uh we used can can wonderland as a which and of course abby's never been here that's the other thing that i'm working <laughs> on i'm working on luring uh, abby to minnesota probably during the off season so she can really get the full experience of a minnesota february well uh, yeah one of our ooh. scripts gray duck is um the <laughs> the scenes that are in minnesota and north dakota are primarily in the middle of winter and i I mean, I, I fully intend on directing the script one day. It's a fabulous indie dramedy. Um, but I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, all the places we could go in the world in all the seasons. And it's like, no, the coldest, windiest time. <laughs> in North Dakota, North Dakota is the windiest state. That script, Grey Duck, uh, that's the one that we've written that probably has the most heart. Uh, not that our other scripts don't, but like we've written kind of a pure wacky sports comedy about boomers and millennials called Pickleball. I would put Pickleball in a Fastest different category. <laughs> yes, we were ahead, we were ahead of the curve. We, we were ahead, ahead of things the uh, with Pickleball. We the have other, uh, predicted future events in our script. We've we've had extraordinarily strange things happen. Let me just say, I I, I think Amanda and, and Mari know this, but I'm going to repeat it for our listeners on Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM, St. Paul, Minnesota, and online all around the world. Uh, we're triangulating London, Minnesota, Michigan here today for you. So Abby and I were working on a script called Doug Must Die, uh, which is a dark comedy about a junior wannabe life coach who moves from L.A. to Austin, Texas after her fiance gets eaten by a shark. 
she moves to Austin and gets death as her first client. So it's a life coach who has death for a client. It's a comedy. Uh, and he works for the IRS, a special division of the IRS. And we were working on this script for, I don't know, six months. I mean, we usually work on a on a draft for like six months to a year, Abby, is that yeah, fair to we say? We knock them out pretty quickly. We do. We're very, very consistent. We we sit down and we work. Uh, it's been a very fruitful partnership. This will all come uh, to the edge of liberty, which we're going to talk about here. But anyway, so we're writing Doug Must Die. And the big set piece at the end of Doug Must Die takes them to the Georgia Guidestones. And, we've, and if you don't know what the Georgia Guidestones are by now, I would encourage you, go find an internet connection. Go to your nearest library. Perhaps you have a smartphone. Look up Georgia Guidestones. We finished this draft like a week before they blew up the Georgia Guidestones IRL. And that's what happens at the end of our script. We, it was a, we blew hmm. up the Georgia Guidestones with our minds. <laughs> I think so. Go ahead. Amanda, I will have. I have to say, uh, Kevin, that's what one of the things I appreciate most about your writing is that somehow there are things in it, or phrases, or situations, or people, or personalities that are from the future, mm. for real. I mean, the this is what if you want to know what's coming down the road in the U.S read or come to a Kevin Kautzman play. <laughs> and Abby Lucas as well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, the joke, you know, between Abby and I is that we've got to, we've got to write a screenplay about, you know, rich jet setting screenwriters, right. And manifest, you know, make that real. The George Guidestones one was spooky. That it I've was had really to... spooky. It was very it, spooky. I mean, yeah. most most people I've spoken to have never even heard of the Georgia Guidestones, and for them to blow up literally a week after we were like, and they blow up the Georgia Guidestones, it was it, it, wild. It was a moment. I've had weird weird things happen with writing. Writing can be like that for sure. So I wonder what's going to happen with the Edge of Liberty. <laughs> be, be stay frosty out there, my my friends. Be careful. Um, yeah. Well, so. The Edge of Liberty is our latest project. This is a long way of saying, again, please come down to the reading. We're not putting this one online yet. So if you want to see this, if you want to hear what this is about, you're going to have to come down to Waldman on September 18th at 7 o'clock. Free $10 minimum at Waldman. You're not going to want to miss it. They've got they've got great food. If you've never been to Waldman, if you're listening to this on the radio in St. Paul or online kind of in the area, you got to come down. It's just too cool. Waldman, they're great hosts, very gracious. It's it's um it's an event, these readings. They're more than just, you know, it's not some crummy room in a basement somewhere, right? It's it's a nice thing to do. Um but this one is is a little weird, Abby, because what is this? Is this a screenplay? Is this a play? What is the we Edge are, of Liberty? We're not quite sure what this is. It could be an audio drama. It could be a play. It could be a screenplay. Um, it is, it's a, a very online comedy in the form of a podcast um, about some uh, right-leaning, libertarian, anarchic... Uh, Sorry, <laughs> words. Anarcho capitalist. Uh, anarcho capitalist. capitalist. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, podcasters. Um, they invite a, a sort of um, an e girl. An e girl. Yeah. Onto their podcast. And she has a book um, about based polyamory. <laughs> 
Uh, mm-hmm. So polyamory from a from a right wing point of view, and she um, she encourages the podcasters who are a couple to uh, engage in some polyamory for the for the views, basically. Um, and we we in our in our scripts we do like to clown the polyamorous. <laughs> It it, it seems to come up. It seems to come up a little bit. Uh, Amanda, you had some. I was just curious because, you know, Kevin and Mari and obviously you, Abby, are very much into the Internet lingo and, you know, the very sub 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 cultures. And so I just wanted to ask Mari because she is playing the part of Pam, the e-girl. Mari, what is an e-girl for our audience? Just there's, you know... I think there's conflicting definitions, but I would say an e-girl is a chronically online young woman who tends to sow chaos in some way, whether it be, you know, getting in, getting in, like in the edge of liberty, getting involved in people's personal lives, stirring up, stirring up a opinions and fights online Mm. or just generally getting people riled up and e-girl is you know a real a real agent of chaos i had not thought of the e-girl as a kind of modern or contemporary trickster but Mm. oh definitely oh my gosh yes she is the coyote incarnate yes (laughs) they're all playing a character Right, and, laughing at you. <laughs> and totally ephemeral, ephem- ephemeral, ephemeral, and untouchable, right? Because like, they only exist in your phone, basically. Right, and yeah. some of them are dudes. Yes, <laughs> that is that is very true. Yeah, it's that the is internet. True. You can be whoever you want. <laughs> we are down the rabbit hole on mouthing off. That is a great point, Mari. I, I'm glad that you asked that question, Amanda. I'm going to have to ponder that. Yeah, and Pam in the script definitely plays a tris- trickster. How are you going to play her, Mari? I know you brought up you brought up Grimes, for example. Uh, are there any other uh, prominent e-girl types uh, that you're going to be channeling here? And I trust that you're doing like I hope you're doing a method type thing in preparation for this reading <laughs> at Waldman on on the 18th. I watch your posts closely. I'm paying attention to see how committed you are to the part. Well, Be I careful. Have... we don't want to give anyone uh, anyone um, any ideas about simping for these e-girls that you name. <laughs> hey, no, hey. there's different e-girls. That's the thing is there's right. different classifications. You know, you could be in an OnlyFans kind of e-thought. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. be a trad wife. And I think mm-hmm. Pam is able to channel all of these things as a true agent of chaos. She's, she's a chimera. A, she's a chameleon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. any like any good Something e-girl, she does different things to different people. I think Grimes is the best because she makes people so angry. She'll mm. just say anything. It's amazing. Right. And she also has some creative output that she can kind of, yeah. So she's not just one. No, yeah, she's, she's a very one. talented artist. Mm-hmm. She also mm-hmm. has an eccentric personality. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah, this is interesting. I didn't, I mean, I guess I could have expected that we would be talking about the e-girl question on this episode of Mouthing Off, but I'm really glad we went right off the deep end. Uh, and now, 
you, Amanda, will be playing the second part of the couple, the main uh, Katrina, the main couple who, when Abby was describing it, um, you know, Abby, and it's totally fine, but Abby made it sound like it's just a couple who have a podcast, but they have a third wheel. Uh, How could I forget Gary? (laughs) How could you forget Gary? Uh, <laughs> Gary is their engineer. Here's he's their sidekick. He lives in their basement. They they these anarcho capitalists. They pay for Gary's health insurance. Gary is essential. He's a he's a huge part of the Edge of Liberty. But you, your character, uh, and Dennis are kind of the 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 political heart of of the of the show. Right. Mm-hmm. So and are you ready? What are you going to and you're, you're confront? It's very interesting, too, because in this script script, we've like ripped the e-girl out of the Internet, at least for y'all and thrown her in the room with you. But you're you're still online. I, I guess I don't know. What do you make of the script? Are you what do you think about Katrina? Are you what are you going to do? It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited because, you know, having the. Female. uh in you know the anarcho-capitalist circles, uh, her, that person's opinion is always really interesting, and mm. the kind of followers that uh, they or she garners, you know. Um, so I'm really interested in that, and kind of doing my own research and following certain certain personalities in that circle, um, which is always interesting too, because they are some. I don't want to say they're an e-girl because you know, but but they have very strong opinions and, and so they have their own kind of like simps for themselves, but also, um, but also, also Liberty at the same time, but they don't want to have too strong of a personality, but because that's like sort of against the, this right, right wing, like, you know, um, conservative mm. traditional conservative roles gender rules and it's vi- exactly so there's this kind of like inner conflict that really interests me about those personalities and like how they kind of square that in their circle minds if you will so yeah mari there are a lot of very uh mouthy and disagreeable women who make a living off of being uh subservient uh traditional wives which is a very interesting, and that's kind of what I think of Katrina as somebody who is trying her best to fit into this kind of trad wife role, but like all of them, is secretly a little bit of a matriarch. Absolutely. Would they be the? Would that be the the honey badges? The uh, the the women who are also like well, the, this this podcast isn't necessarily about that, but there are these like rabid women that call themselves honey badgers that are the like the female men's rights activists they're sort of like oh. where <laughs> interesting i didn't know like, that they had like a group name yeah <laughs> well and if you if you see videos of actual honey badgers they're like extremely violent you know creatures and uh yeah these women have named themselves after them i don't think katrina is quite that but i could see that sort of like melding into those sorts of circles i think but i i i think katrina has the best journey on this um in this show so that should be a really fun role for you to play <laughs> mm-hmm. oh right. i'm so excited it's yeah, a banger, is, y'all. Mm. It's a banger oh it's gonna be so much fun and you know i've had a lot of tension so there are three things i want to say real quick personally i've had a lot of tension about the script because it's very it's a little bit 
I could see people saying, you know, if it's not for them saying it's puerile, you know, da da da. But it's a sex comedy, all right. So hey, you're either going to go with that or not. But we're and the other, I've got many things to say. I'll try to make it quick. Um, <laughs> we're not really clowning so much on the on the polyamorous, Abby. No, if that's I, your... I joke. I joke. I joke. Sure, I mean, sure. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it, yeah. it has just come up a, a few times. Uh, it, it comes up because it is kind of funny and it's in the discourse. Yeah. Um, the the targets of our of our satire here are not the polyamorous. Let's just no. say that it's more it's very a, it's a secondary satirical mm, element. <laughs> indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. And uh, you know, it's sort of a, there's this tension at the heart of this so called e-right right-wing kind of online sphere some of the funniest people alive right now operate within that sphere by the way this isn't some sort of an indictment of it it's very interesting it's very interesting ideas but there's a lot of like central there's a couple of central central tensions and one is just a pure McLuhan problem Marshall McLuhan the medium is the message right as soon as the trad wife logs on logs on she ceases to be the trad wife mm. <laughs> there's no the dissonance exactly. there is staggering so everybody like amanda said you're trying to square the circle the other thing is for the in the conservative mind online now for millennials zoomers whatever's coming next it, there's there's this another key tension about this because if you wake up to this what they would call like the red pill, if you wake up to this and you're already 34 and childless, you're like somebody who, you know, is stranded on, has been stranded on an island yeah. for a decade. And then suddenly you're rescued, but the world has moved on. The world has moved past you. You're, and so now all you kind of are able to do is like scream and commiserate and LARP right? Because you'll never be as pure as the Mennonite couple on the farm, right? So go on. There's a lot there. And I find it very funny. Go ahead, Amanda. Yes. And uh, continuing down that vein, Kevin, there's there's something really interesting about all of these, you know, late 20, 30, early 40 somethings who are, you know, red pilled and based, if you want to say, um, <laughs> online. Nobody knows what that word totally means. By the what does it mean? Yep. Go ahead, Amanda. <laughs> um, and they've totally missed, like you said, the train about, you know, having kids and owning a house and, you know, um, all of all of these things. And it's weird because then in, in IRL, they're, you know, their high school and college friends have kids that are 10 years old and but aren't online yes they share you know sure. these conservative traditional values or, but they're not online or, and they don't or, know what base means but right of course but, yeah or or not but who like who's more based the 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 father exactly. of, of exactly. three with the golden retriever who was a bernie bro and held his nose and voted for biden and goes to city council meetings and is it, who's more based that guy <laughs> or the guy who's over here griping about how he can't find a you know, a, a traditional woman and now all the women are ran through and da da da. Like what, what is real and what is not real. And that yeah, if online. You're on, mm -hmm. If you're online yelling into the void about being based that you probably already are not based. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. It, it, the problem of course, Abby, is that it's not a void. It is a, no, it <laughs> a dopamine fueled 
you know, social engineering machine. And you could create a new Twitter account and go, or a new X account, whatever you want to call it, and go down the most insane rabbit holes in that will your mind will be completely fried in a month if you're not careful. So I personally think I'm I'm a, I, I sympathize with these these anarchists and everything, but there's a part of me that also is like God, man, people should need a license to be on the internet. Like kids, <laughs> there should be like a two year course. Right. I mean, it's just as dangerous as a car or a gun, mm -hmm. <laughs> like in my opinion. Mm. Uh, but this is another tangent. Go on, Mark. The one thing I'll say is if you're on Twitter and you haven't muted the word mid, it's already over for you. <laughs> you have to mute that word. What? Well, this is tough because we're from the Midwest. Uh, what <laughs> what uh, what does the word mid mean on the bird website, Mari, for the uninitiated, for those who who, who touch grass Without thinking about it, what does you know, it mean? You know, mid means a girl who is just okay looking, but people usually use it to describe a woman who is extremely beautiful, just to make people feel bad. Right, right. I recently uh, reluctantly participated in some mid discourse on Twitter because somebody posted something about Madonna uh, and being kind of average looking back in the day and i'm not i'm not a giga madonna fan i respect her but da -da -da. so i had to reply in quotes midonna m-i-d-o <laughs> well that one's I funny had, that's a lot that, that i had to it had to be done i nearly made it a quote tweet but i decided against it because there are some ferocious madonna stands who i don't want to uh <laughs> get on the wrong side of yeah amanda yeah and for some context this I think really hit its peak when the movie Barbie came out mm -hmm. and Margot Robbie, who is absolutely beautiful is playing Barbie and a lot of, you know, these lonely, awful people out there were calling her mid. And that was kind of, you know, I feel like the peak of the discussion because it, you know, Barbie is supposed to be the epitome of beauty or whatever it is. And I haven't seen the movie, but you know, I think Margot Robbie is a great actress and she's, you know, stunning. And, but anyway, well, that's yeah, down I, a different like, rabbit hole, but I feel like that was the, you know, uh, the peak of the mid and just how ridiculous conversations and, you know, I mean, yeah, if, if Margot Robbie is mid, we may as well all go shoot ourselves in the head because <laughs> 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 right. what are you supposed to do? Um, can you get yeah, guns that, over there? Oh, you can't get guns over there. I know I can't. I'd have to do something else. <laughs> <You gotta> come, <laughs> don't worry. Come to Minnesota. Don't visit Minnesota. But when I come to Minnesota in the winter, I'll... <laughs> yeah, no, you'll be all right. Hmm. Very fun. Yeah, this online discourse is insane. And of course, if you're very on Twitter, like like many of us are, you can watch a tweet that somebody makes as a joke end up in Newsweek two weeks later it's a strange, weird inversion because you'll follow an account and you'll know, oh, this is a troll. And half of what they say is uh, is true. The other half is untrue. It's half true. It's just meant to get likes. It's meant to make somebody laugh. But if somebody comes in, if you, if you pull it out of context and just like slap it into a blog post about X, Y, and Z, about the discor beauty discourse on Twitter, it's deranged. Because it's totally decontextualized then. And you've got journalists and, and uh, people who are you know, making clickbait articles uh, trying to, trying to you, you know, basically quoting like 
there'll be like a frog avatar or an anime avatar and it's like you're 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 it's, hey, anyway it's the de- decontextualization of these of these tweets and taking them out of out of context is really creates just a lot of confusion twitter is already a hall of mirrors but it's only amplified by this weird feedback now because the because the quote unquote mainstream which doesn't exist anymore is like looking at it kind of aghast and they don't really know how to read it because you've got to be plugged in if you're if you're off that website for more than 3 days your the whole landscape can change and does change in three days on there. It's a full-time job to be this very online. <laughs> yeah. Fun. Well, and so uh, ultimately, Abby, we're gonna be we're gonna wanna do kind of a, a production of of the Edge of Liberty. We're gonna use this reading at Waldman Brewery on September 18th as an overture to further develop the script. But I think we should shoot the thing. Yeah, and yeah. it would be very easy to film. Yeah. What What do you think about that, Amanda, Mari? It would be fun to do, wouldn't it? We need to just, just to get a space, make a podcast studio, yeah. I, I would absolutely love to. I think um, I love theater. It was my first love, but I enjoy doing theater. Well, I don't, I don't want to say that either. It's because they're completely different, but I really love the technical aspects of film. I just really do. As an actor, I feel like it really pushes you in in a way that um, you just got to, you know, kind of dig deep inside you and you don't have any audience to rely on. And they're like, you know, 10 strangers sometimes like staring at you. And I, I really, I really love that because you have to really find it in yourself and it, you might have a stand in for a scene partner and, you know, they don't even know what's going on. They're just, you know, so I really love it. And that'd be super exciting. Let's do it. Well, this, this really would be kind of a hybrid. Uh, this is almost like a, my dinner with Andre situation because the edge of Liberty as a script is three episodes, mm-hmm. roughly 30 minutes a piece. Some are longer, some are shorter. So I think, you know, we could put our heads together at some point, Amanda, and figure out how do we rehearse this, right? Do we, because I, I think we rehearse it like a play mm-hmm. uh, and get everybody as off book as possible, right? Rehearse it like you're like you're going to do a play. Find a way to get Abby, get Abby over here, build their goofy podcast studio with the Gadsden flags and the anarchy flag and the katana and hopefully you're getting out in radio land hopefully you're getting a picture of what this what this is like <laughs> uh and you know it's it's it really isn't that elaborate a setup uh so mm-hmm. something really to think about I, I I do think we would rehearse it like a play because we would want to yeah go on we would want to do it like we're making a podcast but it's it's almost sort of like the podcast that goes wrong. I mean, that's really yes. kind of the idea. Yeah. Yeah. You were going to say. Anything. Yeah. Um, no, I just have two questions for Abby. So then would you film it in in order with the three episodes or would you skip around? And then second question is, would you use the camera that is like going around to each um, person on a podcast like I'm watching it? Or would it be like I'm actually in the room filming it? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Um, I, uh, my instinct would be that you, um, that you would get four cameras, maybe five, 
and actually film it in order like it is the podcast happening as it's happening. Obviously, with film, you have the you have the luxury of being able to like stop and start again. So if there's a point where right. it all just falls apart, you you call cut and you can go back and pick up bits here and there. But I think the beauty of the way that the the script is, uh, you would you would take advantage of just filming it like it is a podcast going out live, and then maybe have like a a, a fifth angle that's like the um, the view of the entire room. Um, so you could you could cut to a potential wide shot, and we do have a lot of we do have a lot of like physical things that happen. There's a there is some katana play in the in the script, so you would want to be able to see that. But um, I think like one of the one of the big things with um, sort of like low budget indie filmmaking is you is you do what you can do with what you have, and the way the way this is is scripted. Um, I mean, you you'd be mad to not just film it as it is i think it, yeah it's meant yeah. to be a podcast to look to look and feel like a podcast yeah for sure and then we'd so. also have the the like the freedom to maybe even improvise a little bit like i'm sure if you all got really got into the characters you could come up with some stuff that we had never thought of or like things that could be thrown in and then you know the editor's got five angles to play with and <laughs> Well, Watch, and that's really well. <laughs> that's your bread and butter too, Abby. You're an editor. You've done that for a very long time. Yes. Yeah, my day mm -hmm. job is editing the corporates and the commercials, mm -hmm. um, which yeah. really helps. Uh, it, it it helps you as a storyteller because they they say in filmmaking you you write the script three times when it's written in production when everybody is there and contributing and can add new things to it, and then again in the edit because. You know, even if you even if you were a writer with an editor's brain, you can't entirely predict exactly what is going to work. So in the edit suite, you've got uh, the wonderful luxury of just being able to go, this whole scene does not work. Get rid of it. Yeah, fun. Well, this will be a fun process when we finally buckle down and, and do it. We need to cast Gary. I'm I'm going yeah. far away. <laughs> we've, got a, Gary. we've got a month. We have a month. We'll find our Gary. And of course, if you're an it's actor, a, it's a very special role. <laughs> you get really you're, you're gonna get a hat. You're gonna get a, a hat. Get a hat. <laughs> for for because Gary time you get two is, hats. A, is the best time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mari gets a hat too. Katrina's the only character who hats. doesn't get it. There's some great, we're going to have a lot of fun with these hats, no doubt. Um, well, and uh, yeah. sh shout out to um, Ian Hathaway, your uh, Dennis, who will be reading, because uh, without me, you don't know him. <laughs> it's true. I met Ian. So true. Would you believe that? I met Ian through Abby in London. Now we live in the Twin Cities together, and he's one of our core actors. He's been in what five things that we've done now four or five different readings so yeah big shout out to ian ian's fantastic the people love ian the yeah, people can't well, get ian, enough of ian so um i i love to tell the story of how we met ian uh <laughs> we were doing a, a play over here in london called shards which is um, a play about like swing dancing and dating in london and it's sort of set around the shard which is a a big controversial building that we have and um, uh, Ian had come to audition for the role of, uh, God, what is the character's name? He'd come to the audition for the main male lead. And this character is a swing dancer and he's not from London. So he's just moved to London. 
he's getting involved in the swing dancing scene. He's starting to like date women. And Ian had just rolled up to London to do a master's degree uh, in theater and literally is, is a swing dancer, a swing dance teacher, hadn't met anyone in London before. And he, <laughs> he comes to the audition, which we were having in this, um, in this space called the South Bank Center on the South Bank. And, uh, and, and he rocks up and it's me and the writer, Catherine O'Shea. And he's eating a baguette <laughs> and he's like, oh, sorry. Like, I didn't have time to have dinner beforehand. Do you mind if I just finish this baguette? And we're like, no, fine. You have your baguette. He eats the baguette, nails the audition and then uh, takes off. And we're like, well, we're probably going to cast him, aren't we? And, and, and what I just loved was he was so nonchalant with this baguette, you know, <laughs> like, oh, I'm at this audition. I've just met these girls for the first time. I'm going to, I'm going to finish my baguette. And um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's Ian. And that's, and that's Ian, you know, <laughs> the, and the man with the voice, the swing mm. dancer. He's yeah. just mm. fantastic. A man of many talents and and loves his baguettes. He is <laughs> he is maybe not the most natural casting choice for the uh, Dennis, Dennis, but he's going to crush it. Right. Like oh, yeah. sometimes you have this idea wonderful. in your mind, but then like it's like, Ian, no, that's going to work. Actually, that is going to work. I, that's one of the things I love about theater. I love it. it's going to be so I can I literally cannot wait to see what he does with that part because he's capable. He's capable of sustaining mm-hmm. and he's he's capable of like creating an arc where maybe it's a little it's a comedy. It's a, maybe a little thin, but it's there. There's a mm-hmm. lot there. I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. And then, of course, if we were to do it, you know, and, and we'd have to talk about casting for the for the real deal when we were actually for to film it or whatever. But I'd to see Ian with the katana. Oh, doing, amazing. Uh, <laughs> incredible. Incredible. <laughs> we're going to need some special insurance. We'll have to go to Lloyd's of London. We'll have to insure uh, <laughs> well, Ian's I, voice. I, mm. I think you um, you have to have like a sword guy like when you're when you're filming you definitely have mm. to have a firearms person there's probably also a sword guy that you need well we met a sword guy over at uh at phoenix theater his name escapes oh. me i have his card somewhere yeah he's like a, a big time armorer uh here around the the twin cities so yeah. yeah for all the theaters everybody has like the fight guy the weapons yeah. guy mm-hmm. and he's yeah. the guy i guess so we're, awesome. we're, yeah. we are not having an intimacy coordinator for this. We're, <laughs> this is, we're going to, this is about based polyamory. So we'll all collaborate on, the, <laughs> this is going to be a tricky one. <laughs> yeah. As a professional film director, I do not endorse the non-use of intimacy coordinators. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, this would be like the beginning of, uh, it's always sunny in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's the title card. <laughs> The gang gets sued, yeah. you know, <laughs> bad the mouth theater company intimate. gets, yeah, the gang gets intimate, yeah. <laughs> Worth repeating that bad mouth theater company is a 501c3 now, so if you want to support this craziness and get a tax write-off, you can go to the website at badmouthtc.com. There's a link, PayPal, Venmo, if you wanted to cut us a check like at the end of the year. We're going to have a holiday party over at Waldman. If you're thinking about your charitable giving, you're one of these people who has uh, your liquid Let's say you're liquid and you're thinking, ooh, you know, okay, maybe I give to my church. I want to give to the arts. Consider Bad Mouth Theater Company because there is no bloat. Uh, the only bloated thing about Bad Mouth Theater Company is Kevin's ego. Uh, I'm kidding. But there's there's literally no bloat uh, in this theater company. There's no, no admin. We are the admin. You're looking at it right here. It's artists. And by the way, 
every one of the the people uh, who we have come down to Waldman, they get a stipend, right? We're not we're not asking actors to work for free. It's it's about as much as we can give. You know, we we would love to give people more. But there's there's discourse right now going around around the American theater about putting money into the hands of working artists to make their own stuff. That's literally what our company is set up to do. That's all we're ever going to do. We have very little interest in becoming arts administrators. We have very little interest in turning our theater company into some sluggish institution. So if you want to directly materially support the arts and this show, you can do that and get a tax write-off because listen, the arts and culture in America needs that money more than whatever they're, they're using it for over, over that way. As far as I can tell. All right. All right. Badmouthtc.com. Abby, what is what are what are this is this is a bit of a turn, right? But like, what are some of your favorite films? Who are some of your favorite directors? You're a film person. You love film. Tell me, tell tell us about your what are you watching now? What am I watching now? Well, uh, actually, tonight I'm going to go see Oppenheimer. Uh, so I, I've done Barbie. We've done. I'm just going to get the second half of the the Barbieheimer experience. Um, who are my favorite directors? Uh, I really loved the writing and then directing of Nora Ephron. Um, I think that her films are just, I, I love that, that she was able to p- pair the, like the romantic comedy with also being incredibly intelligent. Um, so she's a big influence. Uh, David Fincher, because I also just love things that have like thriller elements and he, th- there's, there's a some some filmmakers have a little bit of beef with Fincher because he likes to do like 70 takes, 100 takes and there's sort of this this thing of like yeah, if I if I did 70 or 100 takes, I'd also be a genius filmmaker, you know. Um but there was one time um I'm a member of a, an organization over here called Directors UK and uh he was he was doing a Q&A on Zoom with um Vanessa Redgrave about uh when Mank came out. And he was talking about the the multiple takes and he explained his reasons for why he does that. And after after he'd explained it, I was like, okay, I'm kind of I'm kind of on board with this this now. Like he he has such an attention to detail that um with every with every new take, he was adding new little like physical bits or new little emotional bits for the actors to do. And if you if you give an actor too many things and they don't have enough time to implement it, you can especially on film, start to see them think about doing that thing. They're like, oh, oh, this is the bit where I'm supposed to pick up the cup or this is the time that I'm supposed to open the door. And so the reason he does so many takes is so that he just makes them so tired that they're just automatically doing all these things. And then and then he has takes with these people who are just doing all of these things so naturally that y- you, would, you wouldn't even see the process going on behind their eyes. So... Um, I, I really enjoy his films, the Cohen brothers. I love their films. They have a big impact on the screenwriting that we do as well. Um, and uh, I think I'm, I'm a romantic at heart. I loved old Audrey Hepburn films, um, you know, like Fellini, like uh, a lot of sort of like nostalgic kind of um, influences back there as well. What's your top Fincher? What do you think? Oh, that's a tough one, right? That is a tough one. 
not going to okay. answer. TikTok, we're on the radio. <laughs> I have such a hard time with Zodiac. I really, really do. I don't get Zodiac. It's it's too... And I'm not a guy who's like, it's too slow, but I just, I don't get Zodiac. I've tried. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's not an easy watch and not in a like, oh, it's gruesome or whatever. It's just, it, yeah, it's not, it, you're not like passing the time with Zodiac. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there is uh, at least one horrific scene there, but yeah, seven, mm. seven is just one of the, one of the yeah. most uh, well-made, harrowing, frightening uh effective films and brad pitt man get out of here is there is there nothing that man can't do <laughs> incredible i love that movie and then of course like if you if all you had was seven and fight club mm -hmm. in your catalog you'd be money but this guy's done more and more and more yeah for yeah. sure yeah he's he's a he's a force uh, i didn't know that about his number of takes it's like kubrick yeah. Kubrick was famous for that and kind of Kubrick abusing his actors. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the I other mean, thing that Fincher yeah. does. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Amanda. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to, I was just going to say there was a, a YouTube video that I saw about the other thing that, that Fincher does. That's like very, from like a very nerdy, like camera directory perspective, he'll, he'll make slight adjustments in the framing of something moves. So if someone's walking up the stairs, he slightly tilts up with them. If they move, like they lean back, he'll slightly t like pan to where they're leaning to. And you, it's something you don't notice if you're just watching the whole film. But when someone does a super cut of them all side by sides, like you can't unsee it. And it's just that the, the, the way he kind of breathes life into the film by, by making these adjustments, by making the acting so natural. It's it's a massive attention to detail. He no, didn't come out of. I think that's what I love about yeah. that too. You know mm -hmm. that finesse on everything. You know that kind of like, oh, it's not quite done. What is it? it? It needs just a little more massaging, a little more polishing, a little more stuff. And I think that's what I love about film is that you you know in theater you know you see the reaction of the audience and they just love it and you're kind of like, oh, they get it. So I'm kind of like done. You know. But, yeah, but in film you can keep digging, and then even when you watch it, you're like, "Oh, I could have, you know, adjusted my eye line there, or taken a breath there, or the lighting could have been." You know, you're it's kind of never done, which is maddening in a brilliant way. Mm -hmm. Well, what I would say though is having having had experience in both, um, I would say there's there's nothing as bad as bad theater, but good theater transcends good film. I would say. I'll, like I'll co-sign that. And I will as well. Yep. Just that a purely nothing about mm -hmm. the, the, that energy, you know, people, you know, energy of between actors and energy in the room. And that is a real phenomenon. It really is. It's like, you know, I think somebody made this comparison of like when you're at a, a concert and everybody's just, you know, beside themselves and enjoy and you kind of like, yeah, it's like an out of body experience or something, you know? A hundred percent. Or they're transcendent in different ways, but you mm -hmm. can't film as a medium can't compete with at its best. though, I guess the loci, the fact that you are like there, it only happens the one time that's very, it's, it's just human. It's extraordinarily human. It's the most, maybe the most human thing, uh, which is why I, I do this goofy stuff. And we we eat a lot of uh, we get a lot of trouble online too for being theater kids. By the way, 
These these people don't like beer. <laughs> it's a long road to hoe when you're when you're sort of uh, moving on certain parts of Twitter and you go, "Hey, I, I wrote a play." People just they the instinct is clearly they want to beat you up through the screen through the screen. Well, I mean, some theater kids are annoying, sir. <laughs> At least we're not you as could... bad as the musical theater kids. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, well, that's the next. Well, like that's them. the next project that Abby that's and I are working project. on. Mari introduced <laughs> us to some uh, collaborators, and we are working on Killdozer, the musical. If you don't know about Marvin <laughs> Hemeyer. And uh, the man who created a tank out of a Kamatsu bulldozer and bulldozed the main street of a town in Colorado, I believe in 2003, so 2003, 2004, 2004, 20 years next year. Ah, the anniversary. If you don't know <laughs> that story, you have to ask yourselves, what does a Killdozer musical sound like? You're going to have to figure <laughs> it out. I made a playlist on Spotify. You could probably search for uh, Killdozer the Musical Playlist or search for my name, Kevin Kautzman. You know what? I'll put the Killdozer playlist in the show notes <laughs> at badmouthtc.com so you can listen to where we're going. But that one's going to be a lot of fun, Abby. Uh, and have you, you've you listened to the Killdozer tapes? You've gotten to know Marv a little bit? Are I, you ready? I have. Yeah, I, I have watched the documentary i have listened to most of the tapes um marv he 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 has his grievances and he's not brief um <laughs> but i think the the older you get the more you can the more you can sympathize with him as a character um in this year of uh 2023 who doesn't have something they want to kill those <laughs> right who, who among us has not wanted to bulldoze a, a, a building like theoretically in Minecraft in the year 2023. Mm -hmm. This is just a guy, a, a childless man from South Dakota who found himself in Colorado who was pushed too far. As he, he himself said, mm -hmm, sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. <laughs> These are the kinds of musicals that we need to be writing. And of course, of course, Amanda, there will be a part for you. Mari, I don't know. Are you... Where's where are you on a scale of of mid to ten in terms of your desire to act? You know, it's slightly mid if it's got anything to do with our with you, Kevin, and our great collaborators Ben Ballmer and Danny Jean Baptiste, who are my good good friends who I adore. I would do anything for you guys. So right, okay, it's a different situation. Right. Would you even sing? I have. I did sing for many years. Oh. I have not in many years. So we'll see. Okay. okay. We'll see what our, what our good cool. friends come up with. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to think about parts. We, I, I certainly know there's a part for Amanda. Mari, I'm sure there'll be a part for you. We're going to have. Can I play the Killdozer? Uh, <laughs> the Killdozer may end up being like a, a kind of contraption that has multiple puppeteers involved. Well, yeah, it, it could be like one the, of those Chinese dragons. Yeah, go, go ahead. It could be like the, the tiger in Life of Pi, you know, like a an Olivier-winning puppet. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what we aspire to. We, If you haven't picked up on the vibe from Badmouth Theatre Company, we, we kind of, we avoid the mid. We go, we go for the reaches and we go for the gutter at Badmouth Theater Company because that's where the drama is and the humor. Is that the title, The Reaches and the Gutter with Abby? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, do you like that, Abby? Oh, I I'll love go it. For, okay, The Reaches and you the know, Gutter I, with Abby Lucas. 
I mean, I think the I, I think the goal in life is to just get to a point where all your haters are calling you mid, and then you know you've made it. <laughs> I mean, hey, are we? We're, or this is the other title. We're all Margot Robbie. and i'll take it you know (laughs) Uh, gracious well i'd like to give well we'll let abby have or ask abby to have the last word here uh i'll I'll read us i'll read us out in terms of uh promoting the edge of liberty at waldman brewery on september 18th we know you're out there we know you're listening uh hello minnesota playlist Hello, Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. Hello, randos on the internet. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Mari, you, I feel like we could, we're not going to talk for another hour, but I feel like your insight into the e-girl as a trickster, (laughs) that's going to sit with me all week. I'm going to think about that all week. Do you have any other thoughts about, about what that, what does that mean? How do you, as a, as a, as a woman online, when you encounter an e-girl, like what? What is that I mean, like? I think it's just the classic. They think they think that she's laughing with them, but she's laughing at them. Mm. Mm. And getting paid, usually <laughs> Ooh, getting paid back. I noticed something very bizarre happened recently on that website because uh, Musk started doing a profit sharing, and that changed the tenor of the site overnight. Because these gimmick accounts, and and that's what e-girl accounts are. They're gimmick accounts for sure, Um, whatever they're doing. But there are sort of these other offenders where it's like there will be an account it's just Cinema Man, right? And all Cinema Man does, he's got got 80,000 followers. All he does is tweet four pictures from Goodfellas, Mm. uh, a fun fact that it's, you know, it's Martin Scorsese's birthday, and that'll get 5,000 likes. The volume of those low-effort tweets, which, of course, everybody loves. You see pictures from Goodfellas, and you're in the movies. So you go, like, yeah, I love it. Oh, retweet. Oh, I'm so, I'm sophisticated, too. Oh, Kurosawa. Oh, oh, a Bergman movie. Okay, retweet, tweet. So the, the volume of that has been turned up, and I've just started muting all of them because they're getting paid now. Like, we're talking like seven, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000 a month. And some of them. And that won't be sustainable. That won't go on forever. But that, for whatever reason, those really, really annoy me. But the, the e-girls, they're building a brand. They're building their gram. They're building their, their OnlyFans if they have one. They are cashing in on the the male loneliness epidemic. Um, and I have it on good authority that the cure to male loneliness is a third computer monitor. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to be doing. Abby, tell quick me. trip gas station snacks. Gas station snackies with the bros. Okay, you are not going to want to miss the Edge of Liberty with all four of us are involved. Amanda, Mari, Abby, myself, Waldman Brewery, September 18th. It is free. RSVP at badmouthtc.com. Abby, tell people where they can find your stuff online one more time. Okay, you can find me at abbylucas.com. That's A-B-B-I-E because my mother decided to be difficult. Um, And on Instagram and the website formerly known as Twitter is just at abbylucas. I'll put her website in the show notes along with the Killdozer playlist. So you're (laughs) not going to want to miss that. Abby, thank you so much for coming on. We will find a way of... Yeah, we will find a way of re- recording this for you. Uh, Good, you know, I will reading. be asleep in the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>